With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. I'm Tony Bruschi. Tony Bruschi has the evening off as she is away working on that education thing going on. As you know, she's uh, working on that psychology degree and uh, that's keeping her away from the show this evening. Trust me, it does bother her, too, that she can't join us. She really loves being a part of the show. And when I share what we talked about, she's like, damn, I wish I was there. So uh, she will be back again very soon. So don't worry about that. She is in no way, shape or form leaving the show. Just, uh, you know, very, uh, very busy working uh, on that degree. So today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online, you got me. And as always, we thank you for joining us. The phone number to call in 855-853-4802. You can write into us at the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you're not an EPP yet, please become one. It gets you an extra episode every single week that we send exclusively to our EPPs, and it helps keep this show alive, okay? There's a lot of hard costs that go into producing the show, distributing the show, uh, hosting the show. There's a lot that goes into it. And uh, the only way we're going to be able to stay alive is, is with your support. So we ask for that $5 a month donation, or you can do 10 or you can do 15 It's completely up to you. Whatever you feel it's worth to you is what I say. And if you can donate that, we'll give you an extra show every single week, and you get the satisfaction of knowing that you are keeping this show alive. That extra show only goes to EPPs. We email it every single week, so it's not like a public show that everybody gets. Of course, you get the free shows, but you get an extra one, too, if you're an EPP. A lot of folks have already signed up to help support us, uh, so we thank them, and we ask that you join us, too, if you're not part of that yet. Press subscribe, whatever platform you're listening to us on, that helps us out quite a bit as well, so you don't miss any future episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online. I posted a picture on Facebook this last week, and it got quite a few responses. Uh, one of our uh, regular listeners uh, had emailed it to me. And it's a news story that comes out of the uh, the Daily Telegraph. And it's uh, essentially an, an undertaker. Uh, they had to move some graves around. And we've talked about this on the show before where it's, uh, I guess, a somewhat common occurrence in some cemeteries. Well, they took it upon themselves to take the corpse out of the grave and stand it up and take a picture with the corpse. And a little bit disturbing. I'm going to read you this news story. It comes from the Daily Telegraph. Dot com dot au. A Spanish gravedigger was uh, suspended, only suspended, after he dug up a corpse of a man who died 23 years ago to move him to a new location. He then posed for a snapshot with the dead body with one of the man's relatives. So at least one of the relatives was there. You know, it wasn't just him alone, because that makes it so much better. The routine job had been given to a gravedigger, Celestino Rana, at the cemetery. Uh so that he could be reburied in the same grave as his wife. When he dug up the corpse, the operation was watched by the husband of the dead man's niece. And somehow, when they discovered the body had mummified, they decided to prop it up while the fourth person, believed to be the niece, took a photograph. It was then uploaded 
uh, to a social network. The woman who took the picture apologized and said she didn't want to hurt anyone. She just wanted to show the dead man's sister how his body had been mummified. Because <laughs> everybody wants to see the mummified body of their brother. <laughs> we never thought this could have such a serious consequence. I did not want to show any lack of respect for my uncle. No, none at all. Because the man is an employee of the local council... When they learned of it, they immediately removed him from his duties and assigned him to another role while an investigation is continuing. Local counselor confirmed that the worker had been suspended, but said he would probably keep a council job because there was no evidence he had acted in bad faith. At the end of the day, it seems the man's family were the ones that uh, instigated this. He just foolishly agreed to what they wanted. It appeared to be a one-off error of judgment rather than a systematic form of behavior. It's a silly mistake, and although there's no justification for it, there will be consequences. We do not need to go overboard. The dead man has already been placed inside a new coffin in a shared uh, grave with his wife. Spanish police also confirmed that the two men were facing a court probe on suspicion of profaning a body independent of the council inquiry. So... What do you think? Should the uh, the employee of the graveyard still keep his job? Because the family said, hey, we want to dig him up. I, I think, I'm sorry, you got to have a little bit of judgment here. If your judgment call is, hey, let's go pose in a picture with a dead body because the family says it's okay. It's kind of like a little kid You know, hey, well, my sister said it's okay to burn down that house because she saw it on TV. Oh, well, if your sister said it's okay, let's do it. And you're the adult there, you know, well, you see, she said it was okay. No, I'm sorry. It's your job to kind of keep things in order. If the family also said, hey, can we just go dig up some other bodies too? We're going to do a little zombie setup, a bunch of pictures. Oh, the family wants to do it. Let's let's get them all up. Let's all do a bunch of pictures. No. You're the one that's to say, no, I'm sorry, man, we can't do that. That's that's really not appropriate. Um, and it's against our policies to do such a thing. You know, I don't think jail time is necessarily needed, but I would think at the very least you lose your job over something like that. Maybe it's just me. What do you think? 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. 855-853-4802. We would love to hear them. Let's go to one of your calls. Hi, you are on the air. Hi, my name's BT. Uh, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. I'm a new listener to the show, but uh, I am started kind of binge watching or binge listening, I'm sorry, to your podcast. And just catching up a little bit, I uh, just finished listening to Elizabeth calling about the haunted hospital and she was talking about night terrors well my brother when we were growing up we lived in uh obviously a different city but uh he would wake up screaming in the middle of the night and of course the doctors said that he had night terrors and he'd wake up screaming my name or running literally just getting up out of bed and running out of the house well we lived there for a about five or six years and this happened every week all the time and it's just it just it was terrible my brother wasn't sleeping it was it wasn't good for him but um i've been dealing with uh, demons my entire life i saw them felt them every once in a while i talked to them which i wouldn't recommend that to anyone but um when we finally moved to a different city out of that house, my brother stopped having the night terrors. And finally, I said something to him about it. And he told me 
The reason he always yelled my name and I was in the room next to his was because he would wake up and there would be a man standing in the middle of the room over his bed. And so, yeah, that freaked me out a little bit, but um, I told him I wish he had told me this when it was happening. But um, when we moved, that stopped happening. Um, also, um, on a different subject, uh, talking about the EVP on the phone a couple episodes ago that I listened to, um, I have a friend, and she had had demon problems attached to her, that sort of thing going on, and uh, used to it, and it doesn't anymore, but she would call me, and when I answered, I was not talking to Ashley, I was talking to a demon, and very few times did it say things that I actually understood, but um, it, w- it would freak her out because she would hear it too, but she couldn't hear me, and uh, she would just hang up and freak out and call me back, and I'd be like, actually, I need you to stay on the line with me so I can listen to this thing and see if I can figure out what it's saying. Um, but um, all this to say, um, oh, geez, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm really nervous about this phone call. But um, um, demons do cause a lot of night terrors, and this isn't something you always need to ignore if it's showing this much proof that it's there. Anyways, um I was, I was a little nervous. This is the first time I've ever called you guys. So uh, thanks for listening. And um, I'm, I'm, I have lots of stories to tell. And maybe in the future I'll call and, and tell some more. Have a good day. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story. I really do appreciate that. Um, it's it's really interesting to hear how these entities tend to communicate. Um, having now you know done this show more than 100 episodes in, we too have had the sounds unexplained sounds not necessarily vocal um although some think there may be um i personally say i I can't identify anything vocal that i've heard in any of our episodes uh but unexplained sounds certainly there's been a weird swoosh uh, on one episode that made several of our listeners very ill um there's been the weird clanking sound uh with uh, our friend kelly the dishwasher lady as we call her because that's what we thought she was doing but uh all all seem to be rooted back to something very dark and demonic when we have those occurrences so i'm wondering if the telephone is a common place for these um darker entities to make themselves known no That's the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Got a letter here. It says, I recently discovered your show and enjoyed the stories, though I am certainly more skeptical than you are. With that said, I do have a story of a very terrifying hoax and thought you might like to hear it if you ever do a show on hoaxes. We don't really necessarily very often do a theme show. It's, It's usually... Whatever we get is what we get, and then we, it's a compilation of different stories, but um, let's hear the story. Continuing on, the reason why I'm telling you this is it's not real, but sharing it anyways is that my mentality on these issues is very similar to that of your wife. Even though I don't believe in ghosts or demons, the thought of them can be very scary to me. She believes in ghosts and demons, so I don't know if you're thinking she doesn't, but she does. And I, too, won't expose myself to a lot of videos and photos because I don't want to think about them. Okay, that's what they're saying. They don't want to expose. Okay, continuing on. Heck, Paranormal Activity is fiction, and that movie had me sleeping uh, with a light on for a month. Referring to the, the movie. Anyway, here's my story. 
I was in fourth grade and I must have done something to anger my siblings because they decided it would be fun to conceive, uh, to convince me that a ghost was haunting our bathroom mirrors. They told me she was an old woman with dark eyes, black hair, and very sharp teeth. One of my sisters even bit her own arm to complete the effect. After some others have described on your show, I was filled with dread whenever I had to enter the main bathroom of our house or walk past the mirror into my parents' half bath. It didn't help me when we had 15 people living in the house. Uh, owning, uh, owing to a huge family... The second week after my siblings told me this, I was so scared I would only use a restroom in the house whenever I absolutely had to, which meant a lot of trips for me out behind the shed. (laughs) Continuing on. The third weekend, it hit me that morning that nothing had ever happened while I was in the bathroom. So I decided to walk in and challenge the spirit in the mirror. I asked it to show itself, and I stuck my hand out, offering it up for a bite. Nothing happened. And to this day, it's hard for me to accept that people see spirits or experience paranormal phenomena. The thought of that ghost still scares me from time to time, even though I know definitely that it was a hoax and it wasn't for real. Well, thanks for the letter. I was was hoping it'd be more climatic... (laughs) I was a little bit hoping that maybe, you know, you stuck your hand out, something, you know, would fly in from the ceiling and bite it, and it was, you know, your brother or your sister or something saying it was a hoax, but... Um, I still got the feeling of the mirrors, you know, I... Uh, I don't like them. <laughs> During the day, I'm, I'm cool with them. But at night, when the light's not quite right, and I'm not seeing quite clearly, I'm not gonna take that... that risk. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost stories to us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And if you're not yet an EPP, please become one. Get those bonus episodes every single week that we send out. It's a thank you for helping keep our show alive because we, like I said, we have hard costs here to keep the show going. And without our EPPs, we could not continue on. So you get the knowledge knowing that you are helping support this show and this community. And as a thank you, you get a bonus episode every single week. So if you're already one, thank you. If not, please become one through the website. Brandon writes in, Hi, my name's Brandon. I'm 18 years old and I live in Hawaii on the island of Oahu. I'm about to start my sophomore year of college studying mechanical engineering. I'm also a Christian and I used to have a difficult time believing in ghosts and the like. But after this experience, it has been extremely fascinating to me. Anyway, here's my story. Just about a year ago, sometime during summer vacation, I was hanging out with one of my best friends, Chase. He had a driver's license and offered to show me an area which he believed to be haunted. The area is called Old Pally Road. Let me describe this area for you. It's just off a major highway and leads through a mountain to the other side of the island. Going with traffic towards the mountain, if you move off to the right side of the road, there's a turn that leads to a road completely covered in overhanging trees. It's called Old Pally Road. During the day, it's a nice road with sunlight just barely peeking through all the leaves hanging high above, creating a nice, relaxing atmosphere. At night, however, it's completely different. Back to the story. I had gone through the road with Chase during the day and immediately thought, hey, this would be awesome to drive through at night. Perfect logic, I know. Of course, being my best friend, Chase enthusiastically agreed, proclaiming he had always wanted to do that, but had never felt like going it alone. We went that night. I had the jitters going down the road. Excitement or fear? I couldn't tell, but it was most likely both. When he turned down the road, my stomach dropped. 
Looking at the road, I couldn't see more than 20 feet in front of the car. I told Chase to turn on his high beams, and he said they were. So we did what we thought was sensible. We continued driving. As we drove under the tree branches, the headlights began to dim even further, to the point where we could hardly see 10 feet in front of us. Much too far to turn back now, we continued down the road. I began to notice that I had a hard time breathing, as if something was pressing on my chest and I couldn't move. I was surprised that Chase could still drive if he was feeling the same thing as me. I looked around with my eyes and noticed a faint greenish haze floating inside the car. Immediately after I noticed the haze, I felt like something was watching me from the back seat. I struggled to reach up and flip down the sunshade to see if I could find anything in the mirror, and eventually I was able to flip it down and saw a slightly translucent face of a woman with long black hair and dark yellow eyes, tinted, looking right at me. I blinked and she was gone. I quickly noticed that the pressure was gone from my chest, but I still didn't feel safe. We continued down the road, but the green haze didn't dis- uh, dissipate until we left the covers of the trees and could see the moon again. Needless to say, we never went back there alone. Thanks for reading my story. I love listening to your show and at work when I'm uh, or when I'm just waiting for friends. Keep it up. P.S. There's also a legend of the place called Morgan's Corner, where if my information is correct, a woman was killed long ago by two escaped convicts in her home near there. Looking up information on this reveals the picture of a woman who looked nothing like the woman I saw in the mirror or in the car, so I think it might have seen a different ghost. If I get the courage and enough friends who feel like doing something insane, we might just go explore Morgan's Corner near the old Pally Road. Let me know if you want to hear that story, and I'll do my best to investigate it. Thanks again, Brandon. Brandon, thanks for writing in and sharing your story. Now, I'm not going to encourage you to go in and uh, put yourself in any sort of danger or investigate anything. That's really not what we do on this show. And if Jenny was sitting here tonight, she would also be like, no, we're not going to encourage you to go do that. But if you happen to go do that, out of your own free will, not because any radio show encouraged you to do that and then call in with your findings because we wouldn't do that (laughs) you're more than welcome to share your story with us if anything happens we would love to hear the story but again i'm not encouraging you or endorsing that you go do that or say telling you to go do it but if you happen to we're here to hear the story (laughs) 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. We would love to hear your stories. Please press subscribe if you've not done so yet. That helps us out quite a bit as far as uh, getting more great stories on the air uh, and uh, getting more people to know about our show. Helps us climb those rankings. Let's go to another caller at 855-853-4802. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, Tony and Jenny, this is the Beastly Gamer from YouTube. I just called in a few minutes ago. Well, it was a few hours ago, actually, and uh, left the story. But I was trying to decide whether or not to call in and just uh, tell you guys another one. There's so much stuff has happened to me. I feel like there's finally a pressure valve that's been released in my life that I can share this stuff, you know. Uh, of course, my family has already heard these stories and close friends, but now I feel like there's a whole community of people out there who may have experienced something similar. And uh, I'm just real thankful that you guys are doing this. Okay, this story happened to me. Uh, I was probably around six, and uh, I was at my grandmother's house, my dad's mom. Now, her house had already uh, been haunted, I guess, for years. And uh, every time we go over there, 
uh, it was always a really foreboding feeling of being in her house. My grandma's from Alabama, but they moved up to Ohio. So they had a real old time feel about the house, the way the house smelled, the way the house looked. They had a real old basement that, you know, my grandma would go down there to get her clothes off the line. And anytime we went down there, it's like a really long corridor. You could see all the way back. I actually saw something down there before too, but this day in particular, uh, we saw something upstairs and uh, she had, you know, the old school type of bathtub. You go up to the very top of the stairs from the living room and straight go straight forward, you'd be in the bathroom and she had one of the old tubs that sat on four little legs and um, no shower. But whenever we go up there, it would usually be me and my brother together. Uh, we didn't like going up there alone because you just felt like something was always watching you. Uh, but this day in particular, uh, it was either me or my older brother, I can't remember now, who had to use the restroom. And so uh, we decided to go on up together. So we went through, through the dining room and we went into the living room. And when we got to the living room, we looked at the stairs. And it was always a real bad feeling about the stairs. We looked at the stairs and there was this thing standing on the stairs, okay? This thing, I swear to God, I'm not lying to you guys. This is absolute truth. I know this stuff that I'm telling you guys might sound insane, but believe me or not, I'm just gonna tell you guys my story. This thing was about four foot tall. Its body was entirely black. Um, but it wasn't like a shadow, it was like a real body. It was all black and its face was like all white, okay? And um, it had a crazy, like real creepy grin on its face. And um, as an adult, I can't really remember the, the total articulation of its face, but all I can say is the, the, the facial, uh, the way the, the thing's face looked, it, it was there to scare you. It looked really scary, the way that its eyebrows are made and its mouth was like in a, in a permanent smile. And it was moving real fast. I mean, it was faster than a human being. It was it, it was like going up and down the stairs, like it covered five or six stairs, like in a second. And it was standing there holding onto the, the banisters of her stairs. So of course what we did, when we first saw this thing, we panicked, we jumped the screen, we ran back into the dining room. Cause my grandma and everybody was in the dining room. We ran back to the dining room and uh, we were panicking and telling everybody about this thing. Of course we were both crying. And uh, my dad, you know, uh, even though he had seen some things, he was basically telling us to shut up, you know, and, and, and be quiet. And we weren't going to go back in there. So my dad, he turned on the light, he came into the dining room, and this thing was still there, but he couldn't see it. It was right behind him, and uh, he was, like, trying to grab us and force us up the stairs, and this thing was on the stairs, and we were, you know, kicking and screaming and, and very petrified and afraid. Uh, because of, you know, the way this thing looked, it, it, it was appearing to us. It was very scary for a little kid, but my dad didn't see it, all right? And so he could tell by the way we were kicking and screaming that, you know, we, we were seeing something that he couldn't see. And my mom was always the one who would, you know, basically tell him to leave us alone because something was there. And so she did. My mom, you know, she's uh, half Cherokee Indian, and she, uh, she was telling him that there's something there and uh, to leave us alone. So... He left us alone and we went back into the dining room. My grandma, of course, we were still crying. My grandma was trying to console us. And uh, this thing that was on the stairs, somehow uh, I looked down and I was standing on top of the vent in the dining room. It was like, I guess, I don't know what type of vent it would be now, but you could see into the basement through it. And this thing was in the basement. I swear to God, it was in the basement looking directly at me. And his hands were out and his fingers were moving real fast. And it was just moving back and forth like, like it wanted to eat me or something. And I jumped off that, that vent and I screamed, I ran into my mom's lap and I was crying. And uh, that was one of the incidents that happened at my grandma Abby's house in Akron, Ohio. Um, 
I'll give you guys a call back with more stuff. I probably won't do two stories in a day again, but I wanted to share that with you guys and hear your feedback on uh, what you think it could possibly be. Again, this is the Beastly Gamer from YouTube. I'll talk to you guys next time. Well, it sounds quite dark to me. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, I don't think it's a matter of if you're saying something. It's a matter of what you're seeing. Um, you know, and you've had other stories, too, where the entities don't necessarily sound all that great. So my question is, you know, where is this rooting from? Where is it coming from? You know, there's the, you know, the saying that sometimes it's, it's not places or objects that are haunted. It's people that are haunted. So... I don't want to say you're haunted. I don't know. Um, it could very well be someone around you. But it's there's something that's drawing these things in into your presence. And it'd be interesting to try and trace that back a little bit further. To try and figure out where or what uh, what is the source of all that. Thanks for calling and sharing your story. I'd, uh, of course, open that up to our community to call in. And, and give us your feedback as far as what you think it is that uh, that may be causing this or what it is that he is experiencing. Our phone number here is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 to call in your real ghost story to Real Ghost Stories online. Mitch writes in for starters, I wanted to say that I love your show and listen to it every day on the way to work. I do have a story to share, but first I wanted to clear something up about the story that took place in York, South Carolina. I currently live in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is a sister city to York. In fact, I live less than 15 minutes from downtown York. York is a small southern town and was established before the Civil War. But there have never been any battles in that town. There are a lot of old homes and cemeteries that are as old, if not older, than the Civil War and are no doubt haunted by those restless dead spirits. There are battlefields near York, but there are still at least 100 miles from the town itself. I do not discount the story in any way, but it is less likely from a battle within a city and more from some old war hero having come home. I'm assuming that's in reference to a previous story that we had talked about a while back here on the show. Continuing on, Now that being said, my brush with the paranormal happened right after I moved into my first apartment. It was not that old of an apartment complex. As far as I know, they were never built over any graves, and I can't honestly say I remember when it all started, but I do know that we were not in an apartment that long before weird things started happening. My roommate and myself actually stayed in a town in a townhome and not a traditional apartment. We had neighbors on either side of us and the walls were not that thin, but we could hear some of what went on on the other side of the wall with our neighbors. The big thing was that in my room I could hear cabinets being opened and closed a lot. It sounded like it came in from our kitchen, but it would either be when my roommate was not there or he would be somewhere else in the apartment. One day, my roommate accused me of trying to get into his room during the night while he was trying to sleep. He locked his door at night and said someone was trying the door handle as if to get into his room and was unable to. This, of course, was after I had fallen asleep for the night, so it couldn't have been me anyways. Well, after that night, I started uh, locking my bedroom door at night, too. There also seemed to be some bad luck that went with that apartment, but it may have just been coincidence. 
After about a month of living there, I lost my current job at the time and had to look for another job. I did find a job, but it paid a lot less, and I had to skimp on things to be able to afford my half of the rent. About six months into my lease, my roommate decided he couldn't afford the place and moved out with his girlfriend. That left me alone in the apartment, and I had to borrow money from my parents to make rent until I could find another roommate. Again, not saying that had anything paranormal about it, but it didn't help the situation any. So I never found another roommate and ended up having to borrow money to break the lease and move back home. Before that happened, though, I did have a terrifying experience one night when I was alone in the apartment. I had just fallen asleep when I had a sleep paralysis moment. I was lying in my bed when I heard something that woke me up just enough. I felt the presence of something, something dark in the corner of my room and it was getting closer to me. Sleep paralysis is terrifying enough on its own, but to sleep, but to feel like something is coming after you is just too much for me. I did wake up and turned on my bedroom light to see if there was anything in my room. There wasn't, of course, so I spent the rest of the night with my light on trying to go to sleep. There was one other incident that I didn't think anything of at the time, but I did use my camera to try and capture a ghost or something as proof. I have a Nikon DSLR camera and have used for freelance photography work, and I still have and still use the camera. The camera has always been reliable, and I've never had any problems with it whatsoever in taking pictures. I bring this up because the camera was having problems staying on and capturing the images. I had turned the lights off in the upstairs portion of uh, the townhome where the bedrooms were at and was using the flash on the camera to illuminate the images. I kept getting just black images and tried resetting the camera or changing the flash setting. Nothing worked, and I assumed the camera was broken or something like that. I kept the camera, and it worked fine when I moved out and have never had any other problems with it. So that's my story. It's been several years since I lived there and have never had anything similar happen to me since. A couple of things I do want to add about this particular story. First, the apartment number was 3913. Whether that has any significance since it's based on the number 13, I don't know. And last, I did use the experience to write not a terribly written short story for No Sleep, a ghost story uh, subreddit uh, on Reddit. So if this story sounds kind of familiar, that may be the reason why. Anyways, thanks for reading this story and uh, thanks for your podcast. I really like it a lot. Well, thank you, Brad. I really do appreciate it. I have never heard the story. I don't really read other ghost story sites or... Um, tune into many ghost story shows these days um, so the story is completely new to me but I really do appreciate that it's interesting with the cameras and when that sort of thing happens where cameras the batteries get sucked out or the images don't turn out or the picture won't take it's almost like whatever it is does not want to be captured on camera which to me is almost a little bit opposite of what you would think because if they're trying to make themselves known and they're trying to be seen by someone or something, why would they not want to be on camera? To me, I would almost think it would take more pictures than it's supposed to because they want to be seen. They want to be heard. I wouldn't think they'd be trying to stop you from taking the picture. I guess when the battery dies, I understand that because that concept would be that it's sucking the energy out of the area, including the batteries to be seen. But if the battery is still working, why is it not able to take the picture? Although when batteries do get low, 
electronics do malfunction, so I suppose you could look at it from that angle. But it seems more times than not, these things are not necessarily trying to be caught on camera. Almost acting in a prohibitive way, if you will. Just a thought. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories online. We would love to hear your real ghost story. Let's go to a caller. Hi. Hey, Tony. Hi, Jen. This is Patty from Omaha. Um, guys might not be hearing from me for a while, um, and my story has something to do with that. Um, my parents, you know, you guys, the history of my parents' house, where the guy killed himself, everything like that. Um, my parents are actually getting a divorce, and it's really messy and uh, very heartbreaking. It's just been really hard to deal with. So um, I actually spent the weekend this past Saturday, uh, the 13th uh, of September helping my mom kind of just get her stuff out of the house Um, and a lot of the stuff that she had was in the basement and that's where like most of the activity happens because that's where the guy you know committed suicide so um, sorry I'm just really upset I'm just still kind of processing everything that happened with uh, my parents and, you know, happening down in the basement. It's just I'm ready for my mom to move out of there. Um, so we, we were going through her stuff, and, I mean, they've lived in that house for, like, God, like 15 years, ever since I was two, and I'm 22, so 20 years, actually, sorry about it, Matt. Um, but we were moving stuff out, and we were kind of categorizing it, what she wanted to donate, what she wanted to sell, and what she wanted to keep. And so we had a pile off to the left for the keep um, because it was closest to the stairs, so we could just take it up uh, easily. And the other two piles, the the cell and the donate, were right next to each other on the right. And where we were putting them um, was by kind of where I feel like really uncomfortable. It's a storage room, and that's what we were in going through stuff. Um, The whole time that we were in there, I just felt really uncomfortable and like very uneasy like something didn't want me there and so we were down there for god like four or five hours because i went over that eight didn't get down to like one or two because we stopped to eat lunch too and everything but um it was really emotional like my mom's having really hard time like they had 24 years of marriage like kind of blindsided her so it was it was really nasty it's still kind of nasty and so you know it took us a while to move along because my mom would find something make her upset and i think that kind of happened with uh the, the story I'm about to tell you, I'm getting to it. Sorry, I, I like to talk, but uh, my mom's been just really emotional, really depressed. Like, you know, with the divorce, it's really hard. So she's been very upset. And I think this is what kind of triggered what happened. But um, we were taking some of her keep pile up to her room, and she's on the third story. And we came down, and in the storage room is where we had to donate and the... Uh, cell pile and when we went to the room to um, sort that stuff out because we were getting near done um, it was scattered like someone kind of like kicks through it you know when you know room like if they have twice set up or Legos and they just kick it down to like move the stuff out of the way that kind of looked like that's what happened and I mean my parents have the have the two dogs but I mean they're so small and they don't they're not allowed in the basement because they just redid it and everything um and I I don't think the remodel 
or did anything. It's still the same kind of activity. I mean, they just remodeled it because it flooded back in like March when it was raining really bad. Um, but it was just really weird. And I mean, just scattered, like someone either pushed it out of the way or, you know, kicked it. And so we had to go through it again all the time. And I swear to God, we kept hearing like just really weird sounds, like not even like demonic or anything, but it was just really, really weird experience. My mom was just really weird out by it. And, you know, that room is always cold. So, I mean, there wasn't any cold things. My my parents' house, um, they get it inspected every six months for, you know, any kind of like uh, carbon monoxide or anything that would detect a high EMF reading. And I know that wasn't it. So um, just thought I'd share that with you guys. And like I said, my parents are selling the house. So if I have any other paranormal experiences in the future, I'll be sure to call you guys first. So thanks for all your support, guys. I really appreciate the show. Love listening to it. Um, and I plan on ordering my pudding poltergeist shirt soon here for my family for Christmas. So you're going to get a couple orders of that. So uh, thanks again, guys, and I appreciate all you've done for me and sharing my story um, in the past, and I look forward to hearing from you guys every day in your shows, and I'm an EPP, so we're looking forward to those extra episodes every week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story and giving us an update on your situation. Nothing says the holidays like putting poltergeist. It really doesn't. Uh, it's a gift that keeps on giving, really. <laughs> I wonder how many families are going to have to explain putting poltergeists to in-laws and other random folks around their house. What the hell is a putting poltergeist? What? So it's uh, what? So you listen to the show where the host said he's when he dies, he's going to fling pudding at people. What the hell are you listening to? <laughs> and a happy holiday to you too. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories online. 855-853-4802. We would absolutely love to hear your real ghost story. And, of course, you can also comment on our forum section um, uh, or uh, just uh, write in through the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. All sorts of ways to get your stories into us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a uh, another letter. This starts out, When I was a child growing up, I never felt alone. There was always something breathing down my neck. My grandmother, who is now deceased, yelled, yelled at me every morning about my toys scattered all around my room. Now I always cleaned up before I went to bed. One night, my grandmother decided to sneak up to my room at night to catch me in the act of messing up my room. Hmm. And playing with my toys when I should have been sleeping. As she opened my door, I was in bed sleeping. There was a little boy playing with my toys. He stared at her and ran out of the room and disappeared. She didn't yell at me the next morning, and she didn't tell me what she had seen. Every morning, my toys were still scattered all over. We couldn't afford to move, and I believe she didn't tell me because she didn't want me to be scared. I didn't know about this until I was in fifth grade. Later that year, she passed away. 
It was merely some background information on my haunted life. I'm now 18 years old and have had been followed my entire life. When I got older, I could feel that I wasn't alone. My parents always worked, and I was alone, per se, about 90% of the time. In the summer of 2011, my friends and I found a Ouija board. I was in the attic, and I found out that there are two spirits that follow me. This really creeped me out, but what really scared me was when one of the spirits, she said, they hated me. It kept spelling out kill over and over. This was a man and a female. When I go to try and rest in my bed every time I'm about to fall asleep, I can hear him whisper into my ear. I have my eyes and look around, but nothing. I can hear footsteps slowly walking around and whispers that I cannot make out. Loud bangs in my room often occur, and I can hear scratching in my closet and under my bed. I'll set something down, and then when I go to grab it again, it's just gone. It will appear again in the same place later. Last night... I woke up to all my posters being torn off my wall. I don't sleep at night anymore, and I'm growing very paranoid. This thing won't leave me alone. Alicia. Alicia, thank you for writing in and sharing your story. It sounds like something has been following you for quite some time. I wonder if it's different, though. A different entity. I mean, the child sounded fairly... Uh, non-threatening, you know, a child playing with toys, it really it doesn't sound like it tried to interact with you, it just kind of made your life hectic because you got blamed for things it did. If something's going around, you know, pulling things off your wall and threatening you, that sounds very dark. I wonder if you're just an individual that these things seem to be attracted to. That seems to be the case more times than not. When someone who is haunted at one point in their life, and then that eventually goes away, it seems to be fairly common that other things do pop up. It's like one thing leaves, another thing comes in, and it's not always the same sort of thing. You can go from very, you know, fairly nonsensical, uh, non, uh, you know, malevolent, just, you know, mundane poltergeist type things, or in your case, you know, the, the kid that was playing around you to something very dark. Um, I really, truly think that people are essentially more, uh... Different people have different levels of being a conduit for these things, if you will. And for whatever reason, some people are, are more attractive to them than others. That's that's how I feel about this the topic, anyway. Thanks for the story. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. To call in with your real ghost story. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, Tony. Hey, Jenny. This is Rain again. I was the one who called about the imaginary friends with the pastor and his old war buddy, as well as the uh, teenage figure who was uh, following me around for a long time. Um, just wanted to call. Um, first off, you guys said you had some questions, so I just wanted to know if I can answer any of them for you, and maybe I'll answer that in a later uh, phone call. But. The other reason I was calling was because I had um, some interesting stuff happen to me uh, with my um, my cousin's kids, so my second cousin. Uh, I went to their graduation uh, sort of to represent the family. Uh, my dad's side of the family is uh, Hispanic, so, you know, there's a lot of that family thing going on, and... I was the one who went to represent my part of the family because uh, my uh, my sister couldn't make it and my mother couldn't make it. My father made it, but he was with his wife, so that it's it's a confusing situation. But 
if you know anything about a Hispanic family, it's, you'll understand. Anyway, um, I went to the graduation and uh, saw him graduate, and we stayed for about a day or a day and a half, and we got acquainted and we got to know each other. And then after his graduation, we went to dinner, and while we were at dinner, I saw the teenager in the black hoodie again, but he was outside the restaurant, and, you know, I wasn't working, so I didn't worry about, you know, seeing or finding anything. But um, that was the last time I have seen him. I uh, thinking that it might have been my cousin, Stevon, because it was his kids we were going to see, and it's just kind of interesting that the last time I see him is when I'm with my cousin's family. Um, the um, other thing about it is that I have never gotten a bad feeling. Usually when there is a uh, evil, eerie presence, I get this sick-to-my-stomach feeling. If it's a good, benevolent spirit, I get a uh, sort of a lighthearted, happy feeling. Um, so I've never gotten any evil stick to my stomach feelings when I see him, so I didn't I just want to make sure you guys aren't worried about that. And then the other thing, just to uh, relieve Jenny's mind because she was saying about me going ghost hunting and being a sensitive, I actually have uh, recently hooked up with a team of ghost hunters, you know, they have a business where they actually do ghost hunting. And we do have an ordained minister on the team. So he tends to uh, bless people and and um, do any sort of uh, rebuking or anything like that when it's necessary. So I just wanted to relieve your stress about that because I myself am a new parent now and I was thinking about it after hearing it and I was like, yeah, that can be pretty, uh, pretty freaky. So I just wanted to relieve your guys' minds on that. Um, once again, if you do have any questions about the imaginary friends, if you want to ask me and then I'll call back later, I can definitely do that. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for sharing your story. I will pass that along to Jenny, although she'll probably just listen to this episode and get uh, get that information for herself firsthand. And Jenny will be joining us again back here on the show in just an episode or two. Um, so thank you for calling in and, uh, and updating us on that situation and, and sharing that story with us. We greatly, greatly appreciate that. If you have a real ghost story you'd like to share with us, please give us a call, 855-853-4802. That really is the fast pass to getting your story on the air. Letter here, it says, Hi, Tony. First off, just wanted to give you a bit more info about the sale of haunted houses and if a seller has a duty to disclose. I'm an attorney and a real estate uh, agent in Wisconsin. Ah, my hometown or my home state happens to be an area of my practice. The watershed case is one you referenced in New York. However, that case only applies to New York real estate. So in New York, you do have to disclose if you have previously stated that the house is haunted. To clarify, in that case, the owners had held the house out to be haunted and had people pay to tour an actual haunted house. Basically, if you once claim it's haunted, you cannot then claim otherwise. 
to facilitate the sale. In most other states, it's a gray area on whether you have to disclose this type of stigma. This is likely due to the difficulty in proving or disproving paranormal activity. Sorry about how long that was. I could go on about this stuff for a while. Anyway, on to my ghost story. I grew up in a small town in the Pacific Northwest. I played volleyball. And as our school was small, I had the same teammates, give or take, from second grade through my senior year of high school. One particular teammate played the same position as I did, and we were relatively competitive with one another. We weren't overly close uh, otherwise, and really only spent court time together. During my freshman season, she took her own life. It was pretty shocking to everyone and traumatic for our little community. In the days after her death, I would often wake up in the middle of the night feeling like someone had been sitting on the edge of my bed and noticed that my uniform wasn't in my bag. I know that most teenage girls are messy, and I wasn't any different, but I was very strict about making sure my volleyball bag always had my uniform, shoes, and spare pair of socks. On the bus ride to our next game, I mentioned my missing uniform to the coach, and he was pretty upset, understandably, and I was going to have to sit out a game as punishment. It wasn't until we were getting dressed that another teammate found my shirt in her bag. Again, this wouldn't be anything to catch your attention, except there wasn't any way for her to get my shirt. She just moved up from the other team, and her prior team had never played at the same time as us. I can't help but think my deceased teammate was still competing with me and trying to get me benched. Over the years, a few of us have gotten together, and I mentioned this incident as well as... uh, Waking up feeling watched, a few others had woken up to the feeling that someone was sitting on their bed just after our teammate passed away, but no one else had their things moved. Love your show. Can you explain why 3 a.m. is the witching hour? I've heard various times stated as the witching hour, but I'm never sure why that particular time is significant, Tamara. Tamara, thank you for the call. Thank you for the story. To answer your quick question about the witching hour, uh, there's various... uh, Explanations for it. It uh, relates back to the Christian belief of uh, the opposite hour of when Christ was crucified or a mocking of the Holy Trinity. It's the middle of the night, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, the 3, 3 a.m. That's the uh, common belief on that. Um, your story, very interesting, that there's still that rivalry going on from beyond the grave. I wonder if that is is the case. And just one little last nod to you. Maybe she really enjoyed your little rivalry in life. You know, maybe even more than you did. And just wanted to do one more quick nod to you before she she moved away further. You know? 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, Tony and Jenny, on your episode Real EVPs on phone call, it reminded me of a very strange experience I once had on a phone call. This was about 20 years ago. I was a single mom working two jobs and feeling a bit at loose ends, wondering if things would get any better in my stressed life. At that time, psychic readings on the phone were advertised regularly. I never had called one of those lines before, but I guess I was really feeling the stress and just wanted someone to tell me things would get better. So I gave in and called one. On my first two attempts, the phone rang only once and then disconnected. I thought something was wrong with the line, so I tried again. Only this time, after one ring, a very deep voice said, Help me, God, I effed up. And then the line disconnected again. Now I'm thinking, what the hell? That's the weirdest answering message I've ever heard. Are they trying to scare the shit out of people? I'm pretty stubborn. 
when I make up my mind to do something and was determined at this point to talk to someone to find out what just happened. So I called one more time, and this time my call went through. When the lady answered my call, I asked her, how the heck did they keep clients to such an evil-sounding answering message? I could tell by her voice she was a bit confused when she replied, we don't have an answering machine. After I told her what had happened, she said that perhaps someone was trying to get through to me. Sounded more like something than someone to me. And to this day, I remember that voice. Love your show. Keep up the good work. Cameron. Cameron, thank you for the call. That's really interesting as far as what that could have been. Now, the skeptic in me is going to say, I mean, I believe that happened to you, but the skeptic in me is going to say, it's an answering type service that you're calling, essentially, where your call gets directed into whoever is available to pick up the phone line. Multiple people are there answering those calls. Sometimes in those sort of situations, calls get crossed, especially the technology of 20 years ago, much easier for that sort of a thing to happen, um, where physically lines do get crossed. And I'm wondering if you got patched into a couple seconds of someone else's call and then clicked off because it wasn't a, a, a good connection. Like maybe their circuits were busy. It tried to connect you in. It connected into an existing call. And then the system dropped the call immediately. And you just got that small little snippet of someone else's phone call down your receiver. That would be the logical explanation of it. Which would sound very bizarre and dark, which is exactly what you heard. Or it could have been something else. I don't know. Nonetheless... Good story. Thanks for calling in and sharing with us. We really do uh, appreciate that. The phone number, if you have a real ghost story, is 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. Hey, Tony and Jenny and listeners, I'd first like to say how much I enjoy your show. I listen to it getting ready for work in the mornings so and my lunch break. Sometimes I, uh, I, it's something I look forward to every day. I figured it was about time to actually submit one of my many ghost stories before I head back to school. This is where the story is going to share and how it takes place. I'm beginning my senior year at Southern Public Ivy University, which would probably not be like any of these non... which would probably not like any of this nonsense attached to it. Uh, I'm just going to say that this campus is incredibly old, historic, and even has a graveyard on the side of its northern campus. You and your listeners can figure it out if you desire. Last year, my friends and I actually collected EVPs in the cemetery, which bothered their dorm. Much to their relief, we caught absolutely nothing. The story, though, I'm going to relate occurs the summer after my freshman year. I stayed around to take a summer class and was assigned a dorm on the northern side of the campus, not by the cemetery. The building was not the nicest on campus, but it did the job. The third floor where I stayed had a creepy feeling to it in the mornings. I'd walk out in the dark hallway to get to the shared bathroom for a shower. Nothing really happened, so I put it off as just being in a new dorm. However, a week or so later, I was walking back from dinner with a friend and looked up at the building where my room was. I saw a figure in the window. Hmm. And figured it was just my roommate. Entering my room, I found nobody was there. When my roommate returned a couple hours later, I asked him how long he'd been gone. He said he'd been at his girlfriend's place all evening. Strange, but it wasn't a normal occurrence. I didn't let it get to me. The more 
disconcerting event happened a few days later. I was working at an assignment and sitting up in my bed as I normally do. My left leg was hanging off the side of the bed. The door to the room was open, but I was only open, uh, but I was the only person in the room. Suddenly, my leg was yanked down, not hard, but enough to get my attention. I was facing the door the entire time, and no one entered or left the room during that period, and no one was under my bed. Again, this wasn't anything that occurred normally. I just sat up in bed with no limbs hanging off the side and went on with the assignment. This may not be the most frightening tale, but for me, this was the first time I have physically encountered something paranormal. Up to this point, I have seen and heard spirits, though I would not say that the storm was haunted. Something was not quite right about it. Even my roommate had an eerie feeling about the place. That's all for the story. I'll probably send some later on as well. I also plan to call some in. The story occurs a year later and involves dreams and precognition, not ghosts. It was definitely the scariest experience I've ever had, though, but that will be for another show. Again, thank you so much for a great podcast, and I can't wait to hear everyone's stories. Cameron. Cameron, thank you for writing in and sharing your real ghost story with us. Do you ever have that feeling? Are you ever afraid of keeping an arm off the side of the bed. I always had that fear growing up as a child. I think sometimes I still do. It's like, I'm going to keep them all up here. As if, you know, something has the power to not get it when it's on top of the bed, and so much more when it's hanging off the edge. One of those silly things that we do as humans that we think are going to protect us or makes us feel better, you know? 855-853-4802. That's the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories online if you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us. Of course, write in on the website as well, realghoststoriesonline.com. And please, if you've not done so yet, become an EPP. If you like the show, you listen uh, more than a couple times a week, and you want us to stay on the air, you want us to keep doing this, then we need your support. It's only 5 bucks a month, or you can do 10 or 15 It's whatever you feel the show is worth to you. And as a thank you, you're not only getting you know the show to continue forward and we're able to continue making it for you, we actually give you a bonus episode every single week. Our EPPs get that bonus episode. Full episode, full hour-long episode, emailed directly to them over the weekend. A lot of folks ask when they become an EPP on Tuesday, when do I get the episode? I just signed up. Patience, my friends. Every single week, usually Saturday or Sunday, one of the two, is a day that we send out that email with the uh, with a bonus episode. So that's when that goes out to answer that question. So please become an EPP this week so you get it on this next episode as soon as we send it out. And you also get all the previous EPP episodes as well. So you get a whole boatload of bonus episodes right off the bat. And you can do that through the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. So, until next time, for Jenny Bruschi, who's away this evening, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.